0: Happy Easter. Uh, That's one way to say it. I've been saying that this morning to people. Uh, I I think that's fine to say. Uh, I've also said, um, Good good morning or Happy Resurrection Sunday. That one's a little harder to say. Uh, Don't want to mess it up. Uh, Don't say that one a lot. Uh, People say this. Here's a famous thing to say Someone says, He is risen. Okay, very biblical, a very biblical response. It's in the Bible. Like, yes, yes, he has. I want to propose something to you today. I've, I've got a term. I, I think that uh, we should put this in there because, you know, when I grew up, my, my father, both my father and my grandfather, grew up a very uh, kind of strict Christian uh, there for a while in my family and dad would always tell us he would say well you know the term Easter that's not what early Christians said you know the etymology of that word sometimes can come from pagan ideas and so the early Christians would technically they would celebrate the day of the resurrection of our Lord so they would call it Resurrection Sunday I think that there's a name that we could call it and I would say it's a very Bible name we should call it Power Sunday okay I'm, I'm putting that out to you but I don't, I don't want it to sound like a monster truck rally. I don't. Uh, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Power, I, don't, I don't want that feel. I don't want that feel. But I think as we look at the scripture, there is a thread in the word of God all throughout it, specifically when we get to the New Testament, the life of Jesus, this new covenant in a movement of God among his people. There's a, a thread throughout all of the New Testament of power. It's actually about four words in the Koine Greek. Most of the New Testament written in the Greek language, uh, a, a version of Greek called Koine Greek. And these four words are all throughout the New Testament. One of them uh, even sounds powerful. The word is dunamos. That's where we get dynamite, like dynamite, right? Dunamos, this powerful, explosive package. 117 times in the New Testament, we get this word. Yeah, some of you are like, okay. I'm starting to believe you. Maybe this theme of power in the word of God and the, the explosion of the church. Maybe there's something there that we can talk about power and say it comes from the Bible. I really want to convince you though. I want to totally, totally, totally convince you. So a little survey of some of those words that associate with power and how technically power is linked to personal growth. It's linked to, I would even say, unbelievable personal growth. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or even think according to the power at work in us. One place. It's linked to supernatural. There's a supernatural component to power. Mark 5.30. At once. Jesus realized that Power had gone out from him. He turned around to the crowd and he asked, Who touched my clothes? Power is linked to expanding the kingdom of God. Jesus' main theme. He says, I've come to establish a kingdom. Well, power is linked there. Acts 1:8 says this to the early church: you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. It's actually linked to doing good stuff. Power is linked to moral works, good things. Here's an example. Ephesians 3 7 says this I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Well, it's linked to hope. I love that. Here's another link of power in the New Testament it's connected to hope. Romans 15 13 says this May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in living and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Power is linked to hope. Power is also linked to persuasion. 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God does not consist of talk, but of power. It's not in talk, it's in power. Here's another thing. This, this might grab your attention. It's linked to spiritual warfare, demonic forces, satanic warfare. Luke 10.19 Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will even hurt you. It's linked to your character. Power is linked to your character. 2 Timothy 1, uh, verse 7, Paul writes to a young preacher, and he says, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Power is a theme in the Word of God. Power is a theme. Power is known more for suffering than anything. It's linked continually to suffering. But if I could tell you of the the one link to power, the most important link, it's on Power Sunday. Power Sunday is the day that we should talk about the number one link to power in all of the text. It is the power of resurrection. The greatest link to power in the Bible is power of resurrection, Matter of fact, the resurrection is all about power. Philippians 3 verse 7 begins what I think is the greatest resurrection power link that we find in all of the Bible. The Apostle Paul writes this to a a church in Philippi. Verse 7 of chapter 3, he says, Whatever used to be gains to me, I now consider them loss for the sake of Christ. And what, what is more... is all about letting go. Resurrection power is all about letting go. I love speaking about power. I mean, anytime you say, today we want to talk about power, people are like, ooh, Deal. I'll take notes on this one. Okay. I, I would love a little power. If I could live my life with some more power, if you could guarantee me power, if I could get a vial of it, matter of fact, just to carry around and I could just sprinkle a little power here, a little power at work, a little power at home for sure. Right. A little power in my car. Cause I want that to keep working. We, we all like, I want power. Well, here, here's the key. Paul, this person who wrote most of the New Testament, the first missionary, who started all these churches, and Jesus himself, after the betrayal from Judas, Jesus says, I'm going to go out and I'm going to pick someone that's going to be my voice to everyone that's not a Jew, and we're going to start the church. That guy's name was Paul. Paul spent time in Arabia with Jesus. Paul was taught by Jesus, and Paul shows up and Paul says, here's the key to resurrection power. You ready? Got to let go of stuff. I'm like, oh, man, I was really excited about the power thing. But I, I don't want to let go of stuff. The reason we don't want to let go of things is we've been collecting things. Right? <laughs> we worked hard to get things. We sacrificed to get things. We're trying to get other things. The things that we're trying to get, they're not all bad things. They're good things. Matter of fact, some of them are great things. And Paul says this. His words, not mine. Actually, all of our things are garbage. It's trash. You're like how can you call my education trash? Well, no, 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 no. You have to understand exactly what Paul's saying. Everything in this life compared to knowing Jesus is worthless. Everything compared to knowing Christ is worthless. Matter of fact, in verse 7, he says, all of the gains that I have in my life, I consider them, in relationship to knowing Christ, I consider them all losses. Well, some of us, like, I I don't know, I've got some things. Senior year, 1995, Mooresville High School beat Greenwood. I'm pretty proud of that. You know? I mean it was downhill after that, but that was a high moment. I'm proud of that gain. That's, that's a big gain. I, Paul says, no, no, no. Whatever you've been collecting is like, I, I build my life. I'm a person that did this. I've conquered this. I've established this. I've done this. My, my wife and I, we've been able to do this. All of the things, Paul says, compared to this, knowing Jesus, it's all a loss. Matter of fact, he goes on to say in verse 10: here's where the power comes in. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. I want to explain that to you so you can just understand it just very clearly. Paul says, everything that I've ever worked for in my entire life compared to knowing Jesus is just worthless to me. Knowing Jesus is everything. Why, Paul? Here's why. I want the power of his resurrection. I want to do the things that Jesus did. I want to experience what Jesus experienced. I want to live forever. When I die at the end of days, I want to be resurrected from the dead like Jesus. Simply put, Paul said, I want to live forever. And Jesus is living forever. And Jesus defeated the death. Jesus defeated the grave. Jesus came out of the tomb. Jesus appeared to all these people. I'm convinced that Jesus did it. So if I can be united with Christ, then here's what I'll know. I'll get the things that Jesus got. I want to give you what I think is a, a revolutionary idea today. Maybe you've never thought of it this way. But Paul makes one very simple thing. He says we've got to become united with Christ so that everything that Jesus experiences, we can experience. But it goes the other way. Everything that you've experienced in your life, Jesus is willing to say, hey, when we become one, when I come and live in you, that means everything that you've experienced, I'll stand in that moment with you. That's, that's, that's a pretty big statement. I would imagine when you hear that, some of us were kind of replaying some, some highlights and some lowlights of our life. Where we're like, I want, I want to be united with Christ, but he doesn't have to go back there and be in that moment. That was a rough moment. You, know, you don't have to go back to that one, Jesus. Or maybe some of us say, truly, I've got a lot of shame in some moments. And Jesus, I don't want you to be any part of that. But here's what he says. I'm gonna be one with you. If you accept me as your personal Lord and Savior, everything that happened to Jesus can happen to you. And everything that happened to you can happen to Jesus. And everything that will happen to Jesus will happen to you. Jesus is in heaven. Jesus rose from the grave. Jesus is living forever. That means you will, but here's what else that means. You were raped. Jesus' commitment to you is he says, I'll stand in that moment in your memory for the rest of time and I will take that. I'll stand there in that moment. You've been abandoned. You you have a sense of true abandonment and you've walked your whole life feeling abandoned. And you can even take it back to a very specific moment and a specific time when everyone left you and you feel alone. And here's what Jesus' promise is I'll unite with you so much that I'll go back to that moment and I'll stand there and I'll hold your hand. You've never been alone. You've been lied to. They lied right to your face. You watched them do it in the corner and you can go back this moment and you see that group of girls talking about you. You see them trashing you. You see the post right now and Jesus says this, I'll stand in that moment and I will take the full hurt of all of those words and I'll wear them for you. It's like one of the most beautiful things that he does for us. There's not a a low point in your life where if you're united with Jesus, that Jesus says, well, I won't go there. Actually, he says, I'll go there in front of you, and I will take it. But then it also means this. If we're united with him, when we die and the end of age comes, we will do exactly what Jesus did. We will come up out of a grave, and we will literally rise to meet him in the sky. Because the same power that rose Jesus from the dead is available for you when you put your trust in him as your Lord and Savior. I don't think Paul writes any clearer than he does in Romans chapter 6 about this. Maybe you've never heard these words in a sermon just like this before. Jesus inspires Paul to write, I think, crystal clear about what it means to become one with Jesus. So all of your bad times, he goes through with you so that you know all of the times to come, he will be there for you. And all of his resurrection power, you can have. It says this in Romans chapter six, verse three. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, you too may live a new life. If we've been united with him in death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. What a beautiful picture we got to witness today as we are standing here singing praises to Jesus. We saw a grandmother and her eight-year-old granddaughter come and they were, really, when I see a baptism, I I see people buried. I go, that's really morbid. No, that's what Paul just described. Paul just described it. Paul says, here's what's happening. Don't you know that we were buried with Christ? We go into a grave. And what stays in the grave is an old self, says Paul. And we come up out of a grave and we're brand new. The way that God looks at us is different when we hear who Jesus is, when we believe who Jesus is, and when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. It's, it's actually a death and a burial of who we were. And we come up and we say this, everything that I used to be for, everything I was trying to get, everything I was trying to do, compared to knowing Jesus, it is trash. Because knowing Jesus is all that really matters. It's described by, Paul as saying, we get a new mind and a new heart, a new desire to be after the things that Jesus is after. I was nine years old, I woke my dad up, and I'd been thinking about it for days. And uh, I went to my dad's bedroom and I said, hey dad, uh, I, wanna, I wanna be obedient to Christ, and I want to repent of my sins, and I wanna confess Jesus as my Lord, and I wanna get baptized, and I wanna, I wanna do it the way they did it in the story. We, we had just read a story uh, in church recently. I went to the church in South Denver, we lived in Denver, and they had preached on the start of the church, Pentecost. And the Apostle, Peter got, the Apostle Peter got up and preached. Get that right. He preached the first sermon ever. The first time he was ever preached. And he told the whole Testament, Old Testament story. He said, there's one who's coming, there's one who's coming, and he came, and his name was Jesus. And by the way, 50 days ago, we killed him but he rose from the grave and he will forgive every one of their sins and we no longer have to be uh, like observing all the law and the people heard this and the people looked and they said what must we do to be saved what do we have to do it's an imperative what are the things that must be done and peter stood there very clearly right outside the, the golden gate on the steps that lead up to mount moriah the temple you can go there today there's ritual baths everywhere and peter said these words you must repent of your sins see the, the church is described as a bride And Jesus is described in all of the Old Testament, the book of Revelation, as a bridegroom. Well, what happens to bridegrooms and brides? Well, they get married. There's a party. There's a celebration. And normally, uh, you know, it's really fun to go to weddings that aren't shotgun weddings. You know what a shotgun wedding is, right? Shotgun wedding is when someone says, y'all going to get married whether you like it or not. Well, Jesus doesn't do that to, the, to his bride. Jesus doesn't do that. You know what Jesus says? He says, I wish that everyone would want to be a part of this relationship. When you say, I want to be a part of this relationship, you're coming and you're saying, I repent of sin. I need this relationship. Because Jesus, I want to be united with you. Because there's a lot of stuff in my past that were dark, dark moments. And there, there's probably dark moments to come. At nine years old, I didn't have a lot of dark moments. But you know what? I believed that he was the only way to heaven. We went and broke into the church because my dad forgot the keys. Luckily, I was a church kid, so I knew where the Sunday school window was open. I went in the window, went up, let everyone in, apologized. And then my uncle, who's a youth pastor, baptized me in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I confessed Jesus as Lord, nine years old. Little girl today, she was eight, but we know that girls are smarter, so she was smarter as a nine-year-old boy. <laughs> I've learned a lot of stuff since that day. I've learned more. Many of you don't need more information. You need a decision to be transformed. You need transformation. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't talk your way into it. All you have to do is accept it. it is, it's a free gift to us. For Jesus, it costs everything. Man, you're, you're valuable. Man, you're precious. Do you know how we know how precious you are? Because the Father gave something valuable for you. He gave his son. He gave his son. And he was so happy to do it. Matter of fact, God was so happy to do it that he made his mind up that he was going to do it when he set the cornerstone when the spirit of the living God hovered over the waters and the earth was still formless, God had in his mind that you were worthy to be purchased. It's free to us. It costs God everything. But you can be united with that son. Whether you're eight years old or whether you're in eighth grade or whether you're 80. It's never too late to say, I believe. I believe. He won't make you be united, but all he wants you to Power Sunday? It is a Power Sunday. Power is the underlying theme of the entire New Testament. But you got to get this. If you're not connected to the power, the way Jesus says to be connected to the power, repentance, baptism, confession, then you're a fan, you're not a follower. And Jesus isn't looking for fans. He's looking for fully devoted followers. The definition of a follower is someone who's obedient. Someone who just says, I'm in. What do you want me to do? That? I'll do it. I'll do it. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Looking for that, he's got so much that he wants to share with you. One, he'll walk through those dark moments with you past, present, future, and everything that he has done, you'll have the power to go and do as well. I want to close by reading, man, because there's just power in the word of God. I want to read you Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Closing verses Paul writes this. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be opened, enlightened, so that you would know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same as the mighty strength he used when he raised Christ from the dead and seated Christ at the right hand in heaven, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not just in this present age, but in the age to come. Do you have a power connection problem today? He's eager to fix that. I want to invite you on Easter Sunday to respond to the gospel. I want to, I want to invite you on Easter Sunday that maybe you, you saw this example of a, a young lady and a little older lady, a grandma and a granddaughter. You don't have to be a public speaker to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. You just got to be willing. I want to invite you for the first time ever to say, I want to make Jesus as the Lord of my life. This Sunday's for you to do that. What a beautiful way to do it. We're, we're doing some baptisms after service. We'd love to walk with you through that moment. Today is an invitation. We would invite you to come down front to the altar. You go to an altar to let go of things. you got to let go of your old life to walk into a new life. It's worth it. Dear friend, it's worth it. So the invitation today is multiple things. One, it's to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior the very first time. May the Spirit of God right now open your eyes if you need to do that. Today is the day for you to be saved. But maybe you've already been saved, but you've just been walking alone. And you're in some dark moments, and Jesus is saying, I'll go with you there, I'll go with you there. And you said, no, I'm going to do this one alone. I'm going to walk this valley by myself. And you're in a valley right now. And He wants to be with you, and you've not invited Him into it. And this is an opportunity for you today to come to an altar. An altar is a place of connection. It's a place of encounter. It's a place of meeting a holy God. For Moses, it was a burning bush, and and the tabernacle was actually a, a golden piece of furniture. And and everyone said, "You can't come in here. You can't come in here. God's too holy." Guess what? That's not new covenant. New covenant says He's holy, and you can come forward. You know why you can come forward? Because when you're covered in the blood of Jesus, you can approach the the throne of grace with confidence, with boldness. So you can come to the place of encounter, the place of reckoning, the place of connection with Jesus because he says, come, if you're sick and you're tired and the burden is heavy, come and I will make it lighter for you. Did you walk in here today? Carrying too much and you are a believer you know you are a believer you've been born again but you've not been inviting Jesus into a valley and you got to stop it and you need to stand today and come out into an aisle and come down to an altar and maybe kneel and say come to my valley with me come and walk with me Come and through my struggle with me come and experience this with me come be unified with me again Maybe if you're a husband, you need to take your wife's hand and you need to come down to the altar and pray. If You want to make a decision for the first time or you want to reconnect with Jesus in a meaningful way, these guys are going to sing a song of redemption and hope. Hey, friends, the gospel is a gospel of power. Power to change. Power for your life to be made new who's ready for an experience with the power of the gospel of Jesus. I want to invite everyone to stand in this room. And if you want to come to an altar and have a moment to connect with a God who's got power in your life, and this time, this moment, you're invited. Our prayer team would love to pray with you, pray over you pray for you, pray around you. This stage has been prayed for. And in this moment, it's an altar and a time to connect with Jesus who rose from the grave. Come on, church, let's lift our voice.